You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. If you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss new episodes. And if you want to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash killerqueenspod where as little as $3 a month gets you early access to shows and amazing additional content. Now on to today's case. Hey, hey. Hi. I'm not really in a place to be happy with you right now. Yeah, I told her to quit hitting her microphone. It was an accident and people make mistakes. People make mistakes, but also people don't forget. (laughs) Okay, it's just all my fault. Everything will just be my fault. (laughs) Okay, so now that we got that out of the way. (laughs) Right. Sorry, you had to be there for that. Yeah, we've got another tough case involving kiddos. Mm. Yeah. So if you listened to our last Patreon episode, which uh, covered the murder of Adam Walsh, then this may be a little too soon for you because it's right on the heels there. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to warn you. In June of 1996, the Routiers were like any other young family in the Dallas area. Darren Routier had a business that was doing quite well. Darley was a stay-at-home mom, and they had three young children. Darley was described by everyone who knew her as a doting mom to their three boys. Devin was six years old and was turning seven in eight days. That's weird, six, seven, eight. <sighs> they described him as a little stuntman, doing backflips off the diving board, always trying to make everybody laugh by making funny faces. He was a cutie. Yeah, he was such a cutie. Uh, Damon was five years old, and he was described as the opposite of Devin. He would still let Darley hold him. He was pretty cautious. Yeah, he was more cautious, and they said he wouldn't even go upstairs without an adult. Like, Which is just smart. Well, sure, yeah. It's just, it's funny, too, how, like, you can have two boys, and they can be so different, you know? Mm-hmm. It's cute. It is cute. Uh, and then they had baby Drake. He was just seven months old at the time. A journalist in the 2020 episode on this case, so people have actually been asking us to mention the documentaries or whatever that we watch so they could watch it as well or check them out. Yeah. So the 2020 is called The Last Defense and it's on Hulu. You can get it on Hulu. Yeah. You don't have to have a special kind of Hulu to have it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so that's, you can watch it there. The journalist in that episode said that Darlie was like any other woman in the area at the time. She had frosted hair, cherry lipstick, and painted fingernails. Oh my gosh. And I was like, it felt like the Stone Age. Like, she had frosted tips. Well, but back then, that's what they were called. painted fingernails. (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness. Did she wear eyeshadow? (laughs) Like... I bet she did. Eyeliner, probably, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Darren and Darley had a love-at-first-sight kind of romance. Darren worked at the Western Sizzler. Ooh. Yeah, with Darley's mom. Eating. Her mom was also called Darley. I know, that's weird to me. Yeah. So, because, you know, I mean, it's more way more popular for, like, there to be, like, a Daryl and a Daryl Jr., but not, like, a Darley and a Darley Jr. <laughs> yeah, so Sloan, oh, P.S., Sloan researched this episode for us as well, so thanks, girl. So great, girl. Um, but 
when she read about Darley's mom, she would just refer to her as Darley Senior because she's like, I don't even know who I'm talking about, but it was right. funny. She's like, so Darley Senior says this or whatever, but Darley Senior, <laughs> you were gonna yeah, say I was, so. said that Darren came up to her and was like, well, I hear you have a beautiful daughter. And she was like, yes, I do. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they got introduced, they went on a date, and then they were like, instantly in love and Darley senior thinks that Darley got pregnant on her honeymoon because she said it was like about nine months later that Devin was born so ooh, you dog you they had s-e-x oh my god <laughs> they probably held hands a lot too probably Risky. oh my goodness oh my gosh. Darren started his own electronics company called Tesnek yeah I think so okay that made circuit boards, and he landed some expensive government agency contracts. Wow. So they're super young. They got married when, I think, Darley was like 18. So right after that, they start this business. That's good living for a whore that has painted fingernails. I know. I'm just saying, it's just a joke. Yes, just, it's a joke. She's not, she was not, not in any way, shape, or form a whore. And also, I don't like to use that word. It was just a joke. Yeah. And if you think painted fingernails makes you... Or you should see Tori. Oh, <laughs> Yahtzee. <laughs> Got a taste of your own medicine, didn't you? God should have spent a little more time on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So they bought a home in Rowlett, Texas, which was just outside of Dallas. And again, you know, they're like 19, 20 years old at this point, And they bought a $130,000 house. Man, talking about like playing house, you know? Yeah, and I think they like... Like, bought the shit. I don't think it was, like... Getting loans and shit. Yeah. I think they, like, fucking bought it. <laughs> so, they also had a used Jaguar. Did I say that right? I That's what I say. If you're from the UK, you would say a Jaguar. Maybe that's what I... I've been listening to a lot of Red Handed and they're British, so... Don't they say Jaguar? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, I think that's why I thought I said it wrong. And that's I think funny. the... French Canadians say leopard instead of oh, leopard. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cool. It was on Letterkenny. Oh. Uh, they had a $24,000 cabin cruiser. They went on cruises. They had, she had tons of jewelry. He bought her lots of jewelry. Well, and she wore one, I mean, our mom did the same thing, wore one on every finger. Yeah, sometimes she had more than one on a finger. Like Phoebe. Like Phoebe, yeah. Stacked. Stacked that shit. Leather furniture. Ooh. Oh, God, I hope it's white. Oh, I bet it was. Ugh. Spending sprees. Cruises again. Must have been a lot of cruises. I think I typed that Cruising. wrong. Uh, a lighted fountain. Ooh. Yeah. And a $9,000 Redwood Spa for their backyard. Wow. So they were like living a life of luxury. I imagine only Cher Horowitz house. Like tons oh, of sculptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was like several steps down from that, but several oh. steps up from what they were probably expecting. I mean, usually, you know, you're like 19, 20, you get an apartment together, you know, you're like really doing your starter building, you know, things up. But his For company sure. took off so quickly that it was like, boom, brick house. I, when I had my apartment, I was just proud of my closet, like my it wasn't even a walk-in closet, but I had the doors that, like, accordioned open, and I'm like, 
it's kind of fancy. <laughs> like, don't get too yeah. excited about it. Exactly. It's, yeah. Well, we big. grew up in a 9,000 year old house that had no closets. So yeah, closets true. were a big deal to us. Yeah. And like, uh, stairs were very important to me too. Yeah. And now I rue the fucking day I bought a house with stairs because all the time I'm like, do I have to fucking go up the stairs? <laughs> no. Now that Ben can walk down the stairs, I'm like, just come down. You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. Just take a chance. <laughs> uh, the Rootiers were living their dream life, or so it seemed, until the night of June 5th, 1996, when everything came crashing down. Here is Darley and Darren's account of what happened that night. Darley says school was out and the boys wanted to have a camp out downstairs. Totally awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Normally, that would have been so fun. The family watched TV in the family room downstairs until about 10.30 when Darren took seven-month-old Drake upstairs to bed. Darley and the two older boys fell asleep in the family room. The boys were on pallets on the floor and Darley was on the couch. I have a quick question, though, for the listeners. Do y'all call them pallets? Because there's been some debate about this. What else would you call it? I have no idea. Uh... No, I have no idea. I have no idea what you would call it, but I've heard from other people. I'm like, yeah, it was a palette. And they're like, what the fuck is a palette? Because a palette's like for painting or a palette's for this. I'm like, no, it was a fucking palette. Like, yeah, you like sleep on a palette. Yes. And hopefully yeah. it's got ducks on it and you get your chips ahoy and you watch the live action Peter Pan with the, the girl. Yeah. I don't, on your ducky pally. Yes. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Y'all it's call it palette. Y'all call them pallets. That's all I'm asking. Well, y'all call it. <laughs> Around 2.30 a.m., Darley woke up and she says that Damon was pushing on her shoulder saying, Mommy, Mommy. She said she sat straight up and she saw the outline of a man in all black walking through her house, through the kitchen, and then out through the utility room. She said she heard the sound of glass breaking and she started to follow him. She saw a knife on the floor of the utility room and instinctively picked it up and walked back into the kitchen. She said she then set the knife down on the counter, and that's when she saw blood on her nightshirt. Then she saw Devin on the floor in the family room, on his back with his eyes open, and that's when she started screaming for Darren, and Darren said she was just screaming, Devin, 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 like as loud as she could, screaming bloody murder, just screaming Devin's name. So this is where we're going to get into some of the details of the crime, and the state of the young boys. So if this is something you don't want to hear, go ahead and skip forward. It is rough shit. Just so you know, Darren says he ran down the stairs when he heard Darley screaming and he immediately attempted CPR on Devin. And he said that as soon as he blew air into Devin's mouth, the air just came out of his chest and sprayed him with blood. So he knew it was bad because it, it wasn't even going. CPR wasn't working. Mm-hmm. He said that Damon was laying on his tummy and he was not responding. So then Darley calls 911. And we're going to play the 911 call because so much of it is dissected and used either for or against Darley in the trial. So we want you to just hear it yourself and decide, you know, later when we talk about the different pieces of it in the trial what you believe either Darley is saying or why she's saying certain things or or whatever. We just want you to be able to like draw your own conclusions. Uh, what is your emergency? Ma'am? Please, 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 please,
within three minutes and secured the scene and searched the house for an intruder. Once they determined the intruder is no longer in the house and the scene is secured, they allowed the paramedics in within two minutes of their arrival to the home. So paramedics determined at that time that six-year-old Devin has not survived his injuries, but five-year-old Damon is still alive, but barely. He ends up passing away in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and is pronounced dead on arrival. Darley is also rushed to the hospital for multiple stab wounds and a nine centimeter neck laceration, which came within two millimeters of her carotid artery. She's rushed to emergency surgery to repair the neck wound. Her friend said that when she woke up from surgery, she just held the boy's picture and cried. Nobody believed this was an act in any way. She seemed genuinely devastated at the loss of her two oldest sons. During the initial examination at the hospital, nurses found that Darley's panties were missing. They asked her if she could have possibly been raped during the attack, and Darley responded, When I woke up, I felt some pressure down there, but they did a rape kit and it was negative. Which, we've talked about that before. There's not an actual rape kit, but... Yeah, it's not 100% conclusive, like, you know. Yeah, so... Not so super black and white, so... Yeah, whatever they did, they determined she wasn't raped. Right. Whatever that means. And he... I mean, I don't know. It could have... It could have been an attempt at rape and gotten, you know... Mm-hmm. Whatever you call it. Why do I always forget every word? Foiled? Sure, bamboozled, even. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and there's, like, a couple theories... Interrupted was the word I was thinking. <laughs> okay, well, same. Yeah same there's a couple theories we'll talk about later but that could play into it like could somebody have used like chloroform or something you know Mm -hmm. and maybe that's why also i'm just gonna go ahead and address this guys my throat all of a sudden is scratchy i'm not sure why it wasn't like this before it wasn't like this before so i'm so sorry i sound like a frog you sound gross i know i do (sighs) i'm so sorry um Damon and Devin were buried together in one casket holding hands. I know, I know. It's so fucking sad. 
At the funeral, Darley had to be held up by family members, according to Darren. Okay. Eight days later, on June 14th, the family held a birthday party for Devin's seventh birthday at the gravesite. So, remember, he was going to be turning seven within a few days of the murder. They had already sent out birthday invitations and, like, all this stuff. So, they decided to go ahead and have his birthday party. Now, put a pin in that Mm. because we will get back to that in detail because it plays a huge role at the trial. On June 18th, Darley and Darren are called to the police station and Darley's mom, Darley Senior, Senior, asked, she said she asked Darren if they thought they need an attorney and he said, innocent people don't need attorneys. Like, what do we need that for? As we've talked about before, that's just completely... A load of bullshit. It really is. And it's sad, but it's true. Darley says that the police stated they wanted to learn as much about them as possible. And then she said, but that wasn't true because they decided day one who did this. And they Mm -hmm. decided it was her. So they were taken to separate interrogation rooms, which is good. Yeah. That's how you should do it. Well, yeah. And that's proper protocol, I'm sure. Yeah. They took Darren for a walkthrough at the house. And they said, go ahead and tell us, like, what you say happened. They drove him back to the house, and they're like, okay, great. All the evidence supports what you just told us. And he's like, duh, I know that. Um, but He's then, so sassy. Yeah. Duh. And then they arrested Darley, and they charged her with capital murder. And Darley said she had no idea that she was a suspect until the day she was arrested. Now, granted, this is pretty soon after. So this was June the 6th. This is, like, 12 days later. They go ahead and arrest her. That's pretty fucking quick. Really quick. Like, how they got how much evidence. of an investigation did you do? Yeah. Is my first question. I mean, and I know there are some times where it's like big fat. Like cut and dry, super black and white. It definitely happened. Like, Yeah, but 12 days seems fast. And this is all circumstantial. There, was, there were no victims pointing to her. Right. It doesn't make any whatever. Like, is 12 days even enough time to fucking canvas the neighborhood and, like, get back in touch with everybody? You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be some people that aren't home when you go knock on the door, right? So you got to wait for them to call you back and shit. Well, and, I mean, DNA evidence. How long does that take to, to test? In 1996? Six? Six, 11 years. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> we had to fax it to someone exactly. first of all. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's like. If you got a busy signal, was your mom on the phone? Right. I mean, was somebody downloading some shit on Napster? It'd take a while. It would take a long time. You'd get kicked off for sure. Yeah. So uh, 12 days just seems fast to me. And I mean, even saying like... Well, because other cases that we've covered, it they took... It's like a year and a half. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like... And even when I said... Could you even canvas the neighborhood and get back with everybody in that amount of time? They didn't even canvas the neighborhood. Like, right. Spoiler. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? I just, I what just don't did get you it. do? Yeah. So the police go on or go to the press. They do a press release stating that they believe that the intruder that Darlie said she saw never existed and that her wounds were self inflicted. That's some bullshit all by itself. And here's why. Can we get into that right now, or do you want to wait? We'll get into it definitely more later, but I'm, I mean, let's just, let's do it. Let's just blow, let's just blow it on out there. Yeah. Let's just get right into it. Um, 
I'm not saying that a housewife is not smart. I'm not saying that a housewife can't know things. But how would a housewife that has no previous or prior nurse or right. medical mm -hmm, um, experience or knowledge know how deep to cut their own throat to narrowly miss the carotid artery? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Within two millimeters. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's so close and yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like... I would not know. I mean, it would have been more like a Diane Down situation. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, well, I'll just shoot um, myself right here because obviously, like in my forearm or whatever. It's like, but a flesh wound. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. Even even that 911 call. I mean, we talked about, again, I know we're always like, you can't go off of how people are acting, but Henry Van Breda, he's like, Okay, so, like, I mean, do you think it'll be sometime today, maybe tomorrow? Like, when do you think they'll be here? I'm in no rush. Darlie's like, when are they going to get here? Please get someone here fast. They're dying, they're dying, they're dying. Something's happening. Like, she was very urgent. It was very urgent. And with the wounds that they all sustained, they... Darlie was very lucky to be alive, according to the police. I mean, the doctors. Right. The police don't believe a fucking word she says. But, um, yeah, I mean, those those wounds, like, and I did, I Googled a lot, like, can you slit your own throat? Um, I looked up a lot of stuff, and there's actually a lot of people have asked that question online, which I thought was interesting, like, that many people would ask that question. And it wasn't in direct relation to this case. Like, but I don't know, maybe if I had, asked it on a forum I wouldn't have said that I don't know anyway you're red flagged for sure though oh big time but um what doctors responded to it and they said that you know everybody's different obviously so like how how close to the surface that artery is is going to be a little bit different on different people now Darlie was thin pretty thin so she wouldn't likely have had a lot you know, in between that. Um, but it is like your carotid artery kind of runs down like the side of your neck, like sort of behind your ear. So you'd have to go pretty far over to get that. But what the consensus was is sure, it's possible. It's possible to slit your own throat. It's difficult. It's unlikely. Most people are not going to do something like that. But to narrowly miss the carotid artery artery the way that she did. I cannot believe I said the word artery correctly as many times as I did before I fucked it up. Um, as narrowly as she did is incredibly difficult. Like either you're not going to go near it or you're going to fucking slice it. So it's like, did she miss it depth wise or far mm. enough away wise? No, I think the two millimeters was like next to it. Like, oh, I see. Okay, another two millimeters over, and she would have gone. And two millimeters, eensy meensy. It's teeny weeny. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I don't. I'm not good with measurements, but it's like it's definitely teeny weeny. Yeah, it's a teeny weeny <laughs> little bit. So it's, you know, it's like you, you breathe and yeah, and that's two millimeters. It's it's, it's even. It's not even a full breath. Is what I'm saying. Do so you see what I'm oh saying? God. That's how little it is. No, I get it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's 
no bigger than your mother's jacket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like, how? how? You know, how? I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. So I feel like you stepped on my point a I lot. I feel there. like <laughs> I did. I feel like I really... Let's move on, please. Yes, please. I'll edit 90% of that out. <laughs> so like media coverage of this case started... It was like almost exactly one year after Susan Smith. So mm. we covered Susan Smith. Um, if you haven't listened to it, you can. It's a pretty decent episode, I think. Yeah, it's a rough case, though. So oh, probably sure. if you did listen to Adam Walsh and this, you may give yourself a break before Susan Smith. That's a oh, lot. Palette cleanser. Yeah. So, but if you don't know about the Susan Smith case, she was in, this is in South Carolina. So a year before that, she had said that a black man came and robbed her at gunpoint. Or um, I can't even exactly remember the details of the of the carjacking. She said she was carjacked, and that he took her kids. Mm-hmm. Her kids were in the car, and this man took her kids too. So she's going on the media, pretending like she's heartbroken, and like the community rallies behind her, and they're like, "Oh my god." Somebody came and stole this woman's kids. Like, let's get them back. And then... They couldn't find the kids at all. Couldn't find the kids at all. And then she finally confessed to murdering them herself. And what she did was she drove them into the lake. John D. Long Lake. Wow. I have a memory you wouldn't believe. Obviously. And, yeah. Her husband was rallying behind her. And he had no idea. Mm -mm. And the whole thing was she was dating a guy that she wanted to be with and he didn't want to be with her. So she thought, Mm -hmm. oh, the problem is the kids. I'll just get rid of them. Yeah. And then we're however many years after Diane Downs. So we've got some of these women coming out in the media killing their kids because, of course, the media and the general population is like, fucking hang them. Yeah. Hang them. Yeah, exactly. Fine, hang (laughs) them. So, you know, they're like... These women are, their kids are getting in the way of their lifestyle or whatever. And so that's their motive and all this stuff. Right. So Just we're monster women. Yeah. So we're right on the heels of all of that. And Darren said the investigators were telling him that Darlie just snapped and basically she's another Susan Smith. And they're like, you're just going to have to understand that your wife killed your kids. And he's like, no, she didn't. There's nothing to support that. Yeah. No, she didn't. So. On July the 15th, they announced that they're going to seek the death penalty. So what they did was they prosecuted her for Damon's murder, not Devin's. And they've never prosecuted her for Devin's murder. And they did that because Damon's murder, because he was five, was a capital offense. Mm -hmm. So they were able to seek the death penalty with that. However, if for any reason her conviction got overturned, or if they prosecuted her and she got a not guilty verdict for Damon, they could still prosecute her for Devin's murder. So they're keeping Devin in their back pocket. Like, yes. Yeah. Just in case. So for whatever reason, either they really, really believe that she did this or they're digging their heels in. Right. It's one of the two. But they really want her for this murder. It's clear yeah Mm -hmm. on july the 27th the trial is moved to kerrville because of media attention in dallas where she would have been tried what's interesting about this is kerrville is a very conservative like law and order town the conviction rate there is like 95 percent 
And it's super tiny and people do not let anybody like give anybody any slack there. No. And what's weird about this is that the prosecution requested the change of venue to Kerrville. And actually the the defense attorney was like said he had joked before that if he ever got murdered, he would want his like lawyer friends to try it in Kerrville because then he would know that the person would get prosecuted, like get convicted for it. Yeah. So like you're going to get convicted if you're tried in Kerrville, basically. And probably to the highest extent. Like. Exactly. And, but why would the prosecution ask for that? Why? Well, I, I mean, we know why. Because because they were going to use Darlie's looks against her. Mm-hmm. She's got frosted hair. She's got cherry lipstick. She has painted fingernails. She has breast implants. They obviously made her a murderer. Well, of course they did. Yeah. Also, her many, many, many rings made yeah. her a murderer. She had, yeah, all these things, like... That all played totally against you in Kerrville. And well, and they even interviewed in the 2020, they interviewed one of the jurors and the juror was like, well, who goes out and spends $2,000 on a set of breasts? That was one of the things that really caught our attention. Pictures that we saw of the clothes that she was wearing, very flashy, very flashy. Expensive clothes, jewelry. I don't buy any of that stuff. She she bought a lot of that stuff. The way she lived doesn't make her a killer, but it does bring suspicion. How yeah. how does that make you a suspicious character that could murder your own children? And the fact that like I mean that's so fucking judgmental because well and here you are a juror in a murder trial. And you're going to sit there and say, what really caught my attention was not evidence in any way, shape, or form. It was the clothes she was wearing. It was the fact that she went out and spent $2,000 on breast implants. That she, that she, yeah, bought all the flashy clothes, that she bought the jewelry. I would never do that. It's like, who the fuck cares, though? Like, Yeah, and she's like, what kind of mother would buy those kind of things? And this woman's name uh, is Carrie Paris by the way. Mm. And I actually have some data on breast implants because I, don't, I know you know, but I don't sure. know if everybody else knows. First of all, I love them. Sure you do. Love them. Best money I ever spent. But I've worked in plastic surgery forever. So breast implants are close to my heart, I feel like. Well, literally. Literally. And I went onto the ASPS website, so it's the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, and every year they do an annual report of, like, how many procedures are done, all these things. They collect data every single year. How many? So, uh, no, never mind. Keep going. They were not yet collecting data in 1996, because at that point, it was a very new organization. But in 1997, which was the year after, they did do their annual report. So in that year, over 101,000 breast augmentations were performed in the U.S. So that's kind of a lot. It's a lot know? for then, for yeah. sure. Um, of those patients who had breast augmentation, a little over 62,000 or 61.6% were between the ages of 19 and 34, which is the majority of breast augs performed that year. And... All of them in 1997 were female. So now that's not the case, but then it was all female. So to answer your question, Carrie, over 100,000 women spent money on breast implants in 1997. 
you know, so who would do that? Who could possibly do that? Murderers. Exactly. Like, were there a hundred thousand murderers? See, that's what I was, I was like, do you have any statistics about the ratio of breast implants to murders mm. in a year? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to do a study on that. What's the correlation between implants and murder? Right. Obviously, it's connected somehow. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. And, like, I know it wasn't as socially acceptable then. Um, and for it, her to be, like, crucified for yeah. her, the way that she carried herself or her personal appearance because she it made her feel good. And if we're being honest, she looked fucking great. Like, I'm sorry. There were a lot of videos of her wearing her little, like, suspender, like, overall-looking outfit. And I'm like, you look adorable, girl. Like, yeah, I mean, what is wrong with but being I'm, a mom and also being confident in the way that you look? Absolutely. There, You don't have to just, like completely let yourself go to show that you care about your children exactly and that's that's what they're doing here is they're saying because she spent money on herself how dare her spend money on herself when all of that should have gone to her children and that is not the way that it is looked at now necessarily but i think a lot of people still do i was gonna say i mean moms are still crucified for lots and lots of shit that they shouldn't be but yeah if we're talking about darley i can't say that i'm alone in this because i know darren it was uh, agreed with this but i like my women just a little on the trashy side oh sure yeah too much lipstick too much rouge yeah yeah so i just i don't know that was just ridiculous for a juror to to basically the only memorable thing that she could think of that really stood out to her was Darlie's looks yeah exactly can you imagine what she thinks about dolly parton <laughs> and dolly parton is a saint oh my god i want her to be president and also want her to be my grandmother and also my mom and my sister oh i'm not replacing you i'm just saying i want her in addition I feel like that took a turn. <laughs> the trial started on January the 6th, 1997. So that's pretty quick, too, because she got arrested, and then six months later, the well, trial they, starts. They rushed everything without, with little to no evidence. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so she had, initially, she had a court-appointed defense attorney. His name was Doug Parks. And he said that normally a death penalty case took, like, a year to a year and a half to prepare for. And he only had a few months. Mm -hmm. Well, then, because it was a death penalty case, the family was like, we've got to hire the big guns here. We can't do a court-appointed attorney. So they hire a guy named Doug Mulder. And I he like was Doug like Mulder. a legend bulldog. Yeah, in that area. And he said, too, you know, usually it's like months or years of prep. And he, by the time he got appointed or got on the case, he only had a few weeks. So... He was ill-equipped. Yeah, this is not going well. Just doing, working with what you got. So we're going to wrap up episode one there. And in episode two, we're going to get into the trial, get in more into the evidence, and see how it all unfolds for Darlie. Yeah. So if you want episode two now, as always, it's available on the Patreon. Uh, if you are a patron, you've already got access to it. And if you want to wait until next week and not support us on Patreon, totally cool. You'll just get next week. No problem. No big deal. Yeah. So we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Queens Podcast and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. If you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Killer Queens is researched, mixed, and mastered by our own damn selves. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. And our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Lilas! <laughs> um, so weird. You know what everybody at home just said? Told you so. <laughs> they did, and I can't help it, but they did. I always hit the microphone. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and people don't forget. So well, you always say so. Yeah, you want right. to go there. All right, that you was hurtful. Throw stones and that was hurtful. Houses? Okay, <laughs> that was hurtful.